You're listening to the Irish Times. All heating up, Pat. Figuratively, metaphorically, draw-wise, everything. Yes, the country is burning down, basically. (laughs) Like you were giving out about Thurlis at the weekend and the the brown grass on Semple Stadium. You don't really expect to see that, do you? Well, you surely don't. I I, I think that if they win that best pitch in Ireland award again next year, then it it is fundamentally flawed after, after the pitch that they served up yesterday. You obviously didn't see the highlights of the camogie last <laughs> night because Walsh Park is is was just dust. Is that right? Basically. <laughs> so I think that the feet, the standard might be lower, but I'd say Semple Stadium will still be up there. Mm, uh, I don't know if Walsh Park was ever really in the running for best pitch of the year now. In fairness. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, everything is is hotting up here and uh, in Russia um, to strangle a, a phrase. Um, the qualifier draw was on this morning. Yes. Uh, we will talk a bit of hurling later on. Sean Moore's going to be on the line. And uh, we'll talk to Emmett in Russia. Uh, he's in St. Petersburg now, I think. But um, first of all, we'll get into the football. And the qualifier draw was this morning. Yeah. Um, so Fermanagh are going to play Kildare Fermanagh at home, mm-hmm. um, which is a bullet dodged, I suppose, for the GA. Well, these are all neutral. Oh, they're sorry, they're all neutral. These venues. are all neutral, yeah. Uh, Leash versus Fermanagh or Leash, Leash versus Monaghan Cork versus Tyrone and Roscommon versus Armagh hmm. Yeah It's hard to know I think maybe Roscommon and Armagh is a, as level a game as as you can imagine there un, unless Cork you know do something Fermanagh Kildare would be a pretty le- neutral game as well wouldn't it? Hard one to, to call To a certain extent I, I don't know Kildare Ian O'Reardon's with us Ian you saw Kildare in the weekend they're 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 better than the team that the, that lost to Carlo a few weeks ago. Anyway, yeah, I mean that game will go down. I think we'll go down in the books for a few reasons. Obviously, you know the build up and the the whole Croke Park versus Newbridge fiasco. And um, you know, I suppose two things about that game is I said to you there, like number one, I mean you can't beat knockout football. I mean mm. it's a bit like the World Cup. I mean the, the atmosphere down there kind of slowly built up, and then by the by the, by the last by you know, when they when they announced seven minutes of of, uh, of at a time, I think everyone was just on the edge of the seat. But then the second question is like just how much that home home advantage thing and the whole the whole drama that was added to the game actually influenced on Kildare's game mm. because they were night and day compared to now I didn't see them against Carlo but just reading the match report there they were quite poor that day whereas yesterday I'm oh, sorry on Saturday evening I really felt they they you know they they delivered one of the performances of the year against mm. a Mayo team who didn't play badly and and you kept thinking we're going to kick on like just you know they were kind of getting into the game okay they kicked a few wides the game went on but you still felt Mayo were going to get over the line but Kildare just you know, just met them every step of the way, and then kicked on the last three or four points at the end to, to you know to be deserving mm. winners. And um, it'll I, yeah, it'll be interesting. The the only reason I asked you about the the Carlo game between Kildare and Carlo was that um, this Fermanagh game could be something similar. Like for Fermanagh set up an awful lot like Carlo, Kildare have had that experience of having to try and beat that sort of team already. I I don't know. I yeah, I would I would expect Kildare Monaghan. Roscommon and Tyrone to come through those and fill out the Super 8s. Um, what I think was just as interesting about that draw this morning is now it's sort of crystallised um, what the two groups in the Super 8s will be. So uh, in Group 1, it's going to be Kerry, Galway and then Fermanagh or Kildare and Leash or Monaghan. And in Group 2, it's going to be Dublin, Donegal, Cork or Tyrone, Roscommon or Fermanagh. So now we're getting a real picture of what the, the Super 8s will look like. Um, like you were pointing out earlier that one of the games if say Monaghan come past Leash mm. that means that you're going to have Monaghan v 
carry in Clonus. Exactly, yeah. On on like the twenty second of July, um, which you know would be massive for Clonus to to yeah to bring Kerry there. You know, Clonus only had one game this year. You know, that's the perfect example of the kind of fixture you want the Super Ace to throw up, really. Precisely, yeah. Although, as you were saying, like, um, and I think this is going to become something that people talk about in the next couple of weeks. Um, when they do get when it is all boiled down to the Super Eights. Not exactly that impressive a lineup, you know. The, if you look through yeah. the football championship, there really aren't eight top quality teams. Yeah, and, and think, now, and now at Mayo gone, there yeah. certainly aren't. Well, I was going to say, if you think back to those, 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 those great, uh, you know, looking ahead to the year predictions, I think everyone put Mayo in the Absolutely, Super Eights. They yeah. were probably one of the first. Except teams. Sean Cabinet. Really? Yes. <laughs> wow. Fair play. <laughs> no, I think it was just because he the, took a lot of shit on the Sunday game. He was the only person yeah. that said, "No, I don't think Mayo are going to get to the Super Eights." And the next day, he got dogs abuse online from Mayo people. Ah, Kavanagh never <laughs> liked to, never liked uh, Mayo. Blah blah blah. He's the only yeah, one. Yeah, well, right. it is, you know. And I think, I think, I think, I think, as I say, I mean, they may well have got over the line against 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 Kildare on Saturday evening. I mean, if that game had, you know, if Kildare hadn't made that stand and that game had gone ahead in Crow Park. I, I have no doubt Mayo would have won it because, I mean, people talk about tight pitches and all that kind of crack. Now, I don't even know. I mean, it's, it's only a question of a few yards either side, but the more that game went on, the more the pitch seemed to close in on Mayo and they just couldn't find any space down the wings or through the middle or anywhere. Like, it was, it was they were completely closed down. And even that 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 last-minute kick for Andy Moore, we could just see this wall of lily white in front mm. of them. And I think that kind of summed up the summed up the evening. But you're right, May, I mean, it is kind of, I won't say sad, but it's 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 a, it's a pity in some ways that Mayo have gone because Mayo have gone because it would have they would have bought a bit of colour to the Super ah, Eights. Let, let's be sure about that. Whereas, you know, we'll see now where, you know, we could be back to square one if Kildare do, do get over... Um, for Manor next weekend, they they will be back and back in Newbridge again for one for one of those games. Well, you know, I, so. I I don't think they will, but fair enough. Yeah, well, I, I think it's, I think again the indications are that like, uh, and I think I think even the GA president this morning, John Horn, suggested that that would be the case. Mm. You know, if, if they're entitled to, but we'll see. If they, yeah. You know, that that that's all bridges uh, to cross before then. What was the atmosphere like on Saturday night? Yeah, as I say, kind of a slow burner. I mean, it was all this like you know doomsday scenario, but not being able to get near Newbridge and like you know parking the car miles outside the town. But I, I actually drove in thinking I might have got the venue wrong for a second because it was, <laughs> it was so quiet going in on, on Saturday evening. But no, it kind of built up steadily then, and I mean, it wasn't packed to the rafters. No, and you know what was interesting? Um, I was obviously watching on on Sky, and uh, you realise that even though it was a capacity crowd, eight thousand people don't make that much noise, especially when they're split between two counties like even you know when like a, a a score went over or something like that or you know you know there are certain points in matches when the crowd just kind of kind of sparks off each other and you go mayo 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 all this kind of stuff in a in a crowd of 8000 people it never came across on tv like it was really raucous or anything like no that. no and i think again i mean that goes back to whatever the i don't know what i don't, still can't figure out why the capacity of 9000 was was reduced by another 1000 because of because it's all oh, tickets ticket, yeah. um now again i think this is whatever the slattery report is it's a lot of it is to do with obviously health and safety and how quick they can get the people out of the ground yeah. and there is only one i think there's only only two two ways two in and out about yeah. Out of, out of out of St Conlon's Park, um, but no, I mean the far terrace. I don't know which if you call that the town end or not, but that that was certainly pretty pretty empty. The stand was obviously packed, but uh, yeah, but I still think you know. Again, I think it's one of those games as the, as the year goes on, there'll be more people claiming to have been there as, as, <laughs> yeah, as, yeah. as the match. But it's certainly yeah, yeah the the atmosphere at the end was 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 brilliant. And again, it goes back to that knockout football thing and and Mayo. Like you really thought like they were gonna. You know, there was a point. There was a point in it going into going into injury time. Then they announced seven minutes. Now, yeah. I don't know where the seven minutes came from. I mean, I'll honest. tell you where it came from actually, because I saw people giving out about this uh, just at the point at which uh, he was about to 
order the the added time. Yes. There was an injury. Yes, yeah. And it took about two minutes. Yes, okay. So I think what it was going to be was he was going to give five minutes. Yes. And then after the two minutes, he added on those two minutes. Yeah. And that's how it was seven. That, that would make sense because yeah. it was it took a while for him to flash up the yeah. seven minutes, all right. Yeah. That that certainly makes sense. And 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 uh and again, like within within even within that time. Gildare kicked the two last score, scores off the bench. By the way, Eamon Callahan and um, and Noel Kelly. Like when you know, you talk about if you looked at that, that team in advance, you kind of thought, well, you know, Mayo have the you know have the stronger bench, like guys to come off, like Donald mm-hmm. Vaughan came off the bench, Keen Hanley, uh, on the as well. You know, so you would have thought they were the guys who were going to you know have the stronger bench. But like, I don't think Mayo could have any excuses. And in fairness to Stephen Rochford, he, he didn't make any excuses. Okay, obviously they lost. Seamus showed Seamus Tom Parsons over, over the course of the summer. But like, I mean, that was you know all the all the. All the so-called big guns were there. Andy Moore didn't have, didn't have a bad game. Um, Lee Keegan played well. Paddy Durkin played very well. But they were just, you know, I mean, Kildare totally raised raised their game. Now, can they do that again next weekend is the, the $6 million question. But I think um, we were talking to the likes of Daniel Flynn afterwards, and you know, they all seem to be convinced that this this will this will be the turning point in their season. Now, again, whether that's enough to get them over, or, you know, into, into the Super 8 or not, we'll see. Um, you know, and again, fair play to... Uh, Fair play to Keen O'Neill in the sense that, like, he put, he, he made the stand, and let's be honest about it. Like, you know, he he said himself, he kind of set himself set himself up in some ways. If they'd lost a game, they were like, well, you know, it didn't make any difference in the end. You know, so he kind of he set himself up for a bit of a fall. But um, certainly, I think uh, there's no doubt they were deserving winners on the night. And I think I think hopefully it was it was, it was sent out a bit of a a bit of a sort of a precedent whereby you know if there is any situation in the future where a team is in any way doubtful about the home advantage, that they should they should stick by it. Mm. I thought the perfect example of of how Mayo have been kind of laid low by injuries this year was Dermot O'Connor, who played very well on Saturday night, but ran himself into the ground. And at one point, just approaching <laughs> the 70-minute mark, he did a big turnover in the Kildare half, and he won a free, yeah. and then just couldn't get up off couldn't the ground. Yeah. And at that, surely he would have been off the field 10 minutes earlier if Shamie O'Shea was around and... and if basically if injuries hadn't murdered them for so yeah, much of the year. Yeah, and if, you know, and, and I think the injuries you talk about, obviously Shamie O'Shea, Tom Parsons, but even beyond that, I know you said Lee Keegan played well, but mm. God, I thought it, I thought he was less than that, yeah. than than what he has been and he spent most of the summer or most of the spring injured. Like I, I meant to count it up last night. Has he played four games for Mayo this yes, year? Yeah, yeah. Donny Vaughan, I don't know if he's played a full 70 minutes all year. I Like I was... It, you know they, they were into injury time by the time Donny Vaughan came on. Yeah. So I like that's that that just tells you that it's mileage at this stage. Yeah, that, I agree with that. Yeah. And like I said I've been saying that all along about you know how many times you can keep going to the well with this Mayo team, no matter how no matter how um, how much they believe in themselves and the likes of Andy Moore and keep saying you know he still has the motivation. But you're right about Lee Keegan. I mean he played well, but you know I mean how many times would you see him kind of up the front going for mm. a score or something like that? You didn't mm. see that on, mm. on Saturday night. And uh, but I mean, you know, people talk about end of end of an era, and you know, will will Mayo come back again? I mean, of, of course they will. Like you know, I mean, they've they've, they've I think they they win the under twenty title in Connacht. Like they've got a they've, they've they do have a seriously good uh, team still. And but look, look, like look at the draw Monaghan have got through the the qualifiers. This is the fourth division, a third division one team in a row they've drawn in the qualifiers. It could have gone a totally different way for Mayo. Two weeks from now, they could have been going into the Super Eights. Like they just. You know, events conspired. They ran into a good team with a cause. Like you know, they're they've never been good enough that that they'd be able to blow somebody like that away just in those circumstances. Yes, yeah. But you know, when they come out of the draw next year, okay, even if they have a couple of retirements, they're still what third, fourth, 
definitely yes, at yeah. worst the fifth best team in the country, no matter who they send out to play next year. Yeah. The only real question is, will Stephen Rochford stay on? I mean, I think he's got he's got another two years mm. on the contract. I mean, no, that means nothing in, in the GA, but I'd say he will. I, I suspect he yeah. will. Like, like, I don't think there's any huge, huge move to get rid no. of him. I don't, I don't think there's any great desire to to have somebody else in there. I mean, the only person would be if if Horan wanted. There's, I, I think there's a feeling down there that if if and when Horan wants to do it again, it's his to do yes, it again. Yeah. But, but yeah. other than that, I don't think yeah. there's any. Great no, it move. is again the only the only sort of. Uh, <laughs> the only slightly uh, pity is that because I think they were building to be a Super Eight team. I think they were definitely going to, you know, they, were, they looked like they were going to have an impact mm. on that Super Eights because you know, the, you know, the color and the fact that they, they can, you know, they would have bought a great crowd to Castle Bar as well. That's gone now, and uh, you know, if, whereas Kildare, you'd wonder would they have the, would they have the sort of the, I don't know what the word is. Will they, will they have the sort of the, um, the momentum to get them right right through the Super Eights? Uh, I wouldn't be so sure. Indeed. Well, thanks a million for that, Ian. Uh, on the line now, Sean Moran uh, was in Croke Park yesterday. Thanks for joining us, Sean. No problem. Uh, the Kilkenny-Galway game couldn't have been uh, more different uh, from the Cork-Clare game that I was at, which we'll talk about in a little while. Uh, what did you make of the two teams? of the Hurling Championship and its new format has been this really unfamiliar uh, pattern of teams playing regularly and it seems to me that it's, it's ended up a bit like musical chairs where every week there's some team left standing um, you know sort of uh, uh, put out by the, week, by the weekend's events and uh, you know we, we, we saw a bit of that even with the provincial finals at the weekend. I think the big um, I suppose most interesting point to take out of out of Croke Park was that maybe the the enthusiasms for for Galway had uh, run slightly ahead of themselves in the sense that they were, and you find this a lot with All-Ireland champions. There tends to be always one, one team that's seen as a standard bearer in the championship and frequently it's the All-Ireland champions and, and Galway had made a, you know, a, a fairly uh, efficient run through through Leinster uh, up to the final but there was a, a sign of I suppose that champion's fallibility to, where where a team that's won the All-Ireland the year before uh, looks a little bit uh, weary or out of sorts uh, they didn't play well um, for a lot of the match looked like they'd done enough to, to get over the line in the end and then were, were hauled back and of course if there's any county going to do that it's, it's, it's Kilkenny uh, unless you're you know, comfortably ahead of them at the end. So I, I think it was obvious in the demeanour of the managers afterwards. Uh, Brian Cody was fairly upbeat over it. I mean, it's a, a largely young team, new team that he has, and and they've they've improved and they gave Galway a very good game of it. Whereas Miall Donoghue knew that his team had misfired, and I suppose he's thinking to himself, is this something that that can be rectified, or is it a ongoing problem for, for for the season so I think what we would look in terms of the match was that the air, two areas were going were very convincing last year their physicality um, uh, you know uh, and their ability to win a ball in the air and Kilkenny really took them on in both areas uh, yesterday and 
Galway's response was fairly fitful and uh, it's sets up an interesting replay now because you know normally uh, I would always feel that, that a likely indicator of replay outcomes is what team has the most room for, for improvement um, it looks like Galway at, at the moment um, because they, they were very below par yesterday but maybe that's just the, the, the post-All-Ireland hangover beginning to, to kick in so it'll be, it'll be very interesting but probably you know if you, if you were judging the, the you know the, the outcome by the reaction of, of the teams Kilkenny will be very pleased and pleased they have another match to, to run in the, the team next week one interesting aspect of it is there was a lot of talk during the uh, round robin provincial championships that the you know this this business of teams playing the third consecutive week well whoever loses this Leinster final will be going into all Ireland quarterfinals on a third successive week so that too will be interesting mm. I did hear that said all right, Sean, yesterday people were suggesting that yet yeah, the draw might be the best result for Limerick or, or whoever uh, ends up meeting. I think it is Limerick, definitely, they're going to meet the, the losers, isn't it? Well, Limerick have to play a quarter-final first. Not, yes, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves <laughs> and insult the Joe McDonnell lads. But Sean, like you're saying there, it, Kilkenny will surely view it as a two-steps-forward kind of thing because everybody's issue was taken on the physicality of Galway combined with, obviously, their, their terrific hurlers. But uh, I felt like Porrick Walsh was almost the standard bearer for some of this yesterday. He wasn't going to be out physical and he wasn't going to be beaten in the air. And it sort of set up a game that was intriguing and that we very definitely don't see much in the Munster Championship where the two defences were, were superb, weren't they? Yeah, it, it, and it was interesting. Another reason I'm sure um, Brian Cody was uh, pleased with, with events was that there has been um, criticism or at least questioning over whether... Porrick Walsh is ultimately um, a likely success at fullback um, based on the fact that um, he can do a job there, but he's an outstanding wingback. Is the trade-off worthwhile? And I suppose in Kilkenny they might argue they don't have anyone else for the, for the position. But there had been signs of fallibility um, you know, during the year as, as he was kind of uh, tested out and run into the, the position. Um, and there would have been kind of reservations about it, I think it's, it's safe to say. But he was outstanding yesterday and he was outstanding in the you know, the, the traditional arts of a, of a fullback, which is, you know, winning winning high ball and getting out and uh, getting on top of the your opposite number and he he had a fine match and I know the point was being made comparing Munster and, and Leinster that in the Munster final you'd you two teams which had slight uh, issues down the middle of their, their defences, uh, whereas in, in Crow Park that the, the the two teams have very strong defensive spines, but Kilkenny were excellent in that regard. And uh, I, I thought, yeah, Walsh was was, was, was phenomenal. I know um, Killian Buckley got the, the Man of the Match award, but Walsh would have, I, I feel, have been a, a, a good candidate for that as, as well because he was taking on Galway, you know, and their, their their speciality. And some of the first half catches he took were, were, were phenomenal and really set a tone for, for Kilkenny and their challenge to Galway and obviously probably discomforted Galway as well because this is an area where they were where they were you would have expected to, to do well and I can remember there was one stage where uh, Joe Canning was placed in at, at, at full forward and uh, a high ball was lamped in on, on top of him and you would have thought oh, this is you know it's in the seconds why this kind of dropped the, the, this is an area that's, that has caused trouble for Kilkenny before but it was it was cleared without without fuss so uh, you know Kilkenny were able to make a, a big statement in, in relation to that I'm sure Galway feel they better better in them but uh, it was uh, it was one of the surprising aspects of yesterday Sean the new style that Kilkenny have developed over the last couple of years it 
it's quite modern and in lots of people we sort of interpret it as um, almost a necessity if they were going to be playing against teams with sweepers, specifically Wexford, I suppose. But it's actually uh, ideally suited to playing against Galway too, having the off-the-shoulder runners help them get away from the kind of incredibly intense tackling that the Galway six forwards like to like to get into in a match. Yeah, um, and, and I, I think particularly against uh, a team like Galway that, that sets up in fairly orthodox fashion and has big physicality in, in the forwards. It's not easy to it's not easy to complete your your exit strategy, so to, to speak, when, uh, when when they're around. But I I think as well what 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 Kilkenny what Kilkenny did uh, was facilitated by the intermittent nature of of the Galway performance. You know, it, it, it's it's not. It's not usual to, to, to see them uh, play um, in such a fashion. Or certainly, it wasn't usual last year when they when they won the All Ireland. Um, because I can I can rem- I can remember thinking at various stages of the match, you know, that we'll go. We have a certain amount of momentum here now, and he, this is the time to tip the pedal and uh, and move a bit clear. But uh, they they never managed to f- fully to subdue uh, the Kilkenny defence, and, and and as you say. When Kilkenny got possession at, at, at the back, they protected it very well and used as well uh, coming out. And it, again, it's an area where you would have felt that Galway would have got on top of them because they uh, because their for, their forwards are, are are really physically imposing as well. And that means not just you know strength under high ball and, and robustness in, in in possession, but also tackling uh, strength. And uh, I, I think what Kilke- I think Kilkenny have looked more convincing um, in defence, you know, in, in the, with this new or emerging team than they have, you know, um, at, the, at, the, at the front the, in terms of attack where they they tend to kind of just almost rotate uh, players, not because of a deliberate rotation policy, because they don't seem quite sure who would be the best six in any given week. But the defence um, has been very steady. And I would say... Um, as well as what you're talking about in terms of how they they approach the game, maybe that they themselves aren't as physically dominant as, as they would have been in the past has been has been built around having uh, two very formidable presences in the centre of their their defence at full back and centre back. Malachi, you were in uh, Thurles yesterday mm-hmm. to see Cork play their eighth unbeaten Munster game in a row. I think you said it was. Yes, it is. Yeah, and yet still we're looking at them and. We're finding ourselves sort of unsure how good they are. Yeah, and I don't know if that's overly fair on them, to be honest. Like they're um they can't do a whole lot more than they've been doing. I mean, I was just looking at their 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 score lines in this uh, in the Monster Championship. You know, they they've won a Monster Championship, uh, five games unbeaten. Uh they're so consistent in what they score. They've scored two twenty three, one twenty three, one twenty five, one twenty three, two twenty four. Like every every day they go out, they score twenty four, twenty five, or twenty six times, um, or that's what they have done so far. Now, everybody in Munster uh, would imagine that they know how Cork play. The you know they they don't set up particularly different from from game to game. Their their big players are fairly well known. Like you know if. If Seamus Harnady doesn't do it, Cork are probably in trouble. If Patrick Horgan doesn't do it, Cork are probably in trouble. So it's not like they're they're putting up these totals uh, by by completely changing it up from game to game. Um, so the fact that they're being that consistent and yet people know how they're going to play 
suggests that they just do it very, very well. Um, so maybe we should give them a bit more credit than, than we generally do. I think what people kind of look at them and go, uh, well, that's all very well scoring your 224 on a lovely monster hurling day on hard ground where the ball is zipping around. Um, what are goal are we going to do to you when they find you? Or, I mean, after yesterday, even what are Kilkenny possibly going to do to you when they get a hold of you? And we don't know that until it happens. Um, but for now, they're... They've gone two years unbeaten in the Munster Championship, the Munster Championship, which everybody is is lionising and waxing lyrical about, you know, how it's such an even field, how it's so open. Well, for all its openness, everybody else has lost at least one game and two games in it over the past two years, and Cork haven't lost any. And this thing, we think of them as being these lovely hurlers, yeah. but this year, they've, at important times, they've displayed incredible resilience like when they played Tip and Tip got a run in them they suddenly came back with a burst yeah. of three points to kind of save that yeah. game even against Waterford in the last group game they were in serious trouble and they Dug pulled it out, it out. Yeah. and either side of half time when they went eight points down to clear either side of half time I think they won a period four minutes either side of half time something like one seven to a point something like that when they yeah. needed to and absolutely needed to and like that's why that's why you talk about Harnady Harnady didn't do an awful lot in the whole of the first half until injury time yesterday uh, John Conlon scored his fifth point of the day to put Clare eight points up just on the 35-minute mark. And you're going, right, if Clare get to half time here, eight points up. Like, if they see out injury time, eight points up. There's a, that's a lot for Cork to pull back now in the second half. And straight from Nash's puck out, he put it right down on top of, of Harnady, uh, standing at halfway between centre forward and full forward. He got up, he absolutely had to catch it. He got fouled, shrugged off the foul, slipped in Luke Mead, bang, goal. Um, Donald Huey puts the puck out, out over the sideline. Mark Coleman scores the, the sideline. Uh, all of a sudden, Cork are going in four points down instead of eight points down, and they may as well be going in ten points up. Like, the whole momentum changed in that sort of two minutes. Um, the other, and, and that's why you talk about Horgan as well. Horgan was the only Cork player in the first half carrying any sort of fight, fighting his corner, getting out in front. Now, the thing with him is like, he, I think he ended with four points from play and maybe another two from freeze he generated himself. Um, that that all looked reasonably similar. I don't know if against a better defence than the way Clare were set up yesterday, Horgan gets that sort of space because it was all just diagonal ball into acres of space out in front of him to give him time to come out pick, turn, bang over the shoulder. Great corner forward play, but there was a lot of space there. So that's why you kind of wonder about Cork going forward. Like, do they get that? Does Patrick Horgan get that sort of space out in front of him against a Galway? I, I don't think he does. Like, So so what do they do then? Sean, on that, on that point, it's kind of interesting. I found myself one thinking of American football over the last few weeks with the AFC and the NFC. The Munster Championship and the Leinster Championship are so integrated into themselves now that we, even it's, it almost seems like even styles of play has, have emerged very clearly. The Munster games seem so much more open that you do find yourself wondering, just like that, that when Cork do end up meeting a Kilkenny or a Galway and attempt to play this open, expansive kind of game, is it just going to be met with a wall of resistance or will Galway or Kilkenny or whoever not know what's hitting them? How do you see it breaking down? I think what happened yesterday in Munster was interesting. I would probably fact 
factor into it um, alongside what Malachy was saying about, you know, um, Cork's performance over the, the course of the Munster Championship and the fact that they're unbeaten. I, I would also factor in that I think it was a hugely disappointing uh, both outcome and display by Clare. I mean, you know, we, we've seen in the Munster Championship big swings in, in fortune and teams going, you know, eight, nine points up, losing losing the lead, so on and so, so forth. But I think the, the, the... I don't think we've seen quite the same level of disintegration that we saw f- from Clare yesterday in the face of that. I mean, they looked comfortably superior in, in the first half um, for, for most of us. And, you know, they must have known that you go eight points up in, in, a, in a hurling match, particularly in the, the, the current conditions and particularly against a, a team like Cork, that it's unlikely that, you know, the game is going to have a linear narrative where you just keep building the scores and, and, and beat them out the gate. That there's going to be a, there's going to be clutch moments in the game where they uh, engage with it and, and come at you. And I think it was very disappointing that the player um, showed so, so little resistance in a way, and that you know things broke down for them. Their their, their free taking, which had uh, been spectacularly good, uh, went on the blink, and you know they were taking some kind of questionable options as well with the possessions they had. I mean, it wasn't a match that drifted away from them until the until the very end. Uh, I know the goal they got put a, put a gloss on things, but they were, you know, they were within a score for, for virtually the entirety of the, of the second half as well. And I, I thought it was disappointing that they didn't manage to, uh, you know, strategize a way out of what was, what was happening uh, to them. So that's, that's, if you like, the, the, what happened uh, this weekend in, in Munster. In relation to the, the clash of styles, it's a kind of an old one, really. You know, I mean, in, in, in the past, um, you see where, where we had uh, no engagement between the provinces either. You know, it's only in the qualifier era that we've seen teams from one province getting to play teams from the other and getting maybe just a, a kind of a read on what the, the relative uh, strengths and standings are. But we're kind of back to the old days now and that there's no kind of uh, cross-pollination between the provinces until uh, you know we get to um, a quarterfinal. There will be in the, the, the preliminary quarterfinal, but, at the, but at, the, at the top level until the quarterfinal stage. And so people are entitled to kind of just wonder about what, uh, you know, what are the relative weightings here in the past it was I won't say it was it was traditional but it was certainly something that happened where teams would come out of the Munster final and the Munster final was always more showbiz than the Leinster final um, something that you know Leinster people complained about but it was true because you heard us full and you these kind of this competitive province in, in in the south and the counties that were in the final by and large provided a you know a, a competitive event and it and the winners looked very good whereas you know in maybe in a kind of a, a rainy half full Croke Park you know the Leinster champion <laughs> come out and uh, they would look very uh, kind of shabby by comparison to the dazzle from the south but it wasn't it was quite frequent in fact that the, you know that the Leinster team went and won in the All-Ireland uh, because there was no there was no way of comparing them up to that point uh, now obviously you know, Munster won, won, won as, as well but but that idea that, that Munster is kind of the uh, the, the home of, of what's good and attractive and Leinster the home of more dour uh, and unattractive isn't a new one uh, by, by, by 
any means. And it hasn't always it hasn't, hasn't always worked out for the for, for the team. Oh, that, well, I, that, I wasn't saying effective. <laughs> no, I, I, I was saying effective was was what I was going with. <laughs> but, uh, but as regards this year, I think I suppose the issue is that. Um, the teams that we associate with carrying the Munster Challenge in the All-Ireland, which would be basically Tipperary and, and, and Waterford, uh, have gone, have exited. And uh, Cork have now to deal with something that's become a phenomenon uh, of late, and that's the abject record of Munster champions in All-Ireland, in All-Ireland semi-finals. Um, in, in the past, I think some of it could have been put down to the fact that they were less experienced than the teams they were playing. Uh, also, there was more of a, a kind of a, a, an advantage to coming through the old the hard path of the qualifiers and picking up momentum by winning matches as you went. Um, it would be slightly different this year because the, the team coming into the semi-finals won't have such a considerable uh, back catalogue of matches uh, to shape them, um, as would have been the case under the old qualifier system. And every team has had a, a good few runouts during the summer, so mm. it'd be interesting to keep an eye on that to see does that have a kind of a, an influence on, on things. Because it was said in the past that what was happening was that the provincial champions going straight into the semi final um, were kind of left to, to atrophy while their opponents came kind of bustling through a, a demanding qualifier and quarter final route. But this only seems to apply to the Munster champions. The, yeah. the, the, the Leinster champions, specifically when Kilkenny were in their pomp, never seemed to never seemed to trouble them too yeah. much. Well, we'll enjoy uh, every bit of the rest of it. Thanks a million for uh, joining us, Sean, and we'll see you again uh, hopefully next week. No Cheers. problem. See you. Mary Hannigan is in with us. Hi, Mary. How are you, Malky? Yeah, coping with the host pipe band? You joke. I swear to God, I, I, I was, I did literally ask my wife the question yesterday, but how will they know? How, they, how the do they police? Yeah, you get shot by the neighbours, yeah. Which I think is, I mean, is yeah. developing like yeah. quite a nasty atmosphere. Yeah. I've, 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 I've scrawled graffiti on my wall saying, touts out <laughs> for anybody that's going to shop me for using my hose. But mind you, I've just said it on a podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> me, 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 the tout is out. <laughs> Anyway, World Cup, World Cup. What have you been enjoying? I just passed a pub. I didn't go in, I promise. It and <laughs> it's advertising all their World Cup stuff and they have photos of all the stars. And as I passed, I noted every one of them has gone home. <laughs> Except not Neymar. He's still there. But there was Messi, Ronaldo, Iniesta, Ozil. They're all gone home. So, yeah, it's kind of being... Yeah, it's a shit it's, World Cup. It's, yeah, it's they're crap, all isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't watch the rest of it. <laughs> I felt sorry for Jorgen Klinsmann. Like, he finally made his BBC punditry debut on Saturday, like, kind of three days after his <laughs> after Germany were gone. had gone home. And I kind of assumed he had been hired to talk us through Germany, like, progressing to the final. <laughs> I'm sure he so, did as well. <laughs> yeah. He said it was a humongous shock. I think he spent time in America, Jürgen, what do you think? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so, Who's going to win the World Cup, Mary? Well, OK, so everyone last night was talking about England's side of the draw, that one of Russia, Croatia, Sweden, Switzerland, Colombia or England will be in the final. So I think it's becoming increasingly obvious that football is coming home to Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> because they're completely flying under the radar. Nobody is paying there any is a attention. For that. Well, all right. And okay, there's also the problem that Lawrenson has tipped them to ah, win tonight. So ah. that's and oh granted they haven't scored a goal in kind of knockout World Cup stage since nineteen fifty four. So there's 
But you see, so like it has to change. The at planets some point. are aligning, is what I you're saying. So. Haley's comet so. style. Yeah, yeah. So I have a notion Switzerland are going to do it because Excellent. it's been well, wacky. It's I'm, been wacky. I'm sure the bookies would be delighted to take your money <laughs> <laughs> if that's if you feel that strongly you about it. You can mock. You you wait. You see. Wait. <laughs> you see. Switzerland also have what a mate of mine recently called the world's foremost rectangular footballer. <laughs> Uh, in Jordan Shakiri, <laughs> I liked. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is unique. But yeah, it's kind of a, been a bit of a struggle, I think, for the papers lately to just because to sort of fill those who, quirky who are you gaps. Telling? Yeah, <laughs> I know. No, no one need tell us. But my favorite thing from last week was the Daily Star did an A to Z of Harry Kane. Which ah. probably sounds like a great idea. <laughs> no one knows better than myself. Yes, I, I I always like uh, the the A to Z uh, assignment uh, until you realise okay, uh, there's about there's about thirteen good ones here. <laughs> there's another four or five that are just about passable. Yeah. But then you got yeah. that, that still it's, leaves it's a that struggle. leaves a, a third of an alphabet for you to pull up. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, theirs kind of didn't start off that promisingly. Uh, a alcohol, he doesn't drink it. Right. So. <laughs> 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 so the A to Z of things that have nothing to do with Harry Kane. Well, there was tattoos. He doesn't have any. Right. So, <laughs> Muslim. He's not one. <laughs> no, that's kind of where it was going. Oh, opinion. The World Cup hasn't won it. <laughs> Germany not, never not been. Yet, not yet. But yeah, O was for opinion. Hundreds love him. Kind of. J was for joys. He likes to buy perfume as a gift. Is Joy's a brand of perfume? No, You're don't. asking us. Oh, yeah, true. In fairness, Mary. Have you not bought it for a loved one in your life? <laughs> I thought when you said Joy's, uh, it was the uh, nightclub on Leeson Street <laughs> that he was, uh, <laughs> He's been spotted, he was a, a patron of. I, I loved Zed, Zillions. He's worth 200 million. Which is, <laughs> oh, come on. Which isn't Zillions, no, really. Not, is it? I'm not great now with numbers. But. Asterisks may not actually be worth Zillions. But the very best of the lot was X. And clearly that was just a battle. So they chose Essex. So they right. had E-S-S-E in small letters and then a large X. He lives there. <laughs> so it's, the, uh, the, it's, time, the London Times had a, had a feature on Saturday um, that... Uh, you started reading it that, that it kind of looked like a good idea where they went to five or six different places in England that were where the players have come from. Right. So like they got like there's a youth club in, in Manchester that produced uh, Rashford, Lingard and one of the other young uh, Manchester players. I can't even think of his mm. name now. And they went to Jordan Pickford and Jordan Henderson all came from the same club and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And they went to Essex and found and Chigwell, I think, was Harry, Harry, where Harry Kane grew up. And, right. and it was all like lovely. You know, they went to the school where they grew up and they talked to their first coaches and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Except that they went to Essex during the, the England's last game, whoever the England were playing. Oh, yeah, they were Belgium. playing Belgium. Um, uh, first of all, disappointment because Harry didn't get a game. Uh, second of all, uh, <laughs> at half time, uh, the, the locals all stood up and sang Free Tommy Robinson. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
handed all the uh, no surrender to the IRA scum and all this kind of and singing like the 10 German bombers and all this kind of stuff and and it just literally like it literally jumped from uh, this lovely youth club in Sunderland where Jordan (laughs) Henderson and Jordan Pickford had been driven to by their their ma for for all this to Free Tommy Robinson! Free Tommy Robinson! <laughs> and you're kind of going, didn't quite chime with the rest of the piece. And they try not to stereotype Essex and then they go and do that. So, yeah. But I'm sure all Harry's friends in Essex are a bit worried because his partner is due to have a baby. So there's a major concern Harry will decide he should fly home. And um, maybe on World Cup final day or something. Now, that but, um, would be... Now. Wouldn't that be a story? That. And he'd be able to get the Joy's perfume in the <laughs> in the duty free on the way home. He might even have some alcohol and get a tattoo to celebrate. But um, yeah, because this will be his second child. But he said about the first, the birth of it, it's totally different from say scoring a goal. Uh, so, well, yeah, yeah, yeah I just thought so. All right, certainly most, for the wife. Most probably women <laughs> who have had children would agree with that. But um, yeah, a little bit of concern that Harry will make an announcement. Sorry, I can't play in the World Cup final. I have to go home. Well, no. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be a story and a half, wouldn't it? <laughs> but Harry, there is still lots of love for Harry, much less so for uh, previous England forward, Emil Heskey. Who, uh, this you, is a bugbear of yours. Yeah. yeah. Did you notice this doing the rounds last, not, well, the last couple of days, um, that Emil Heskey, the factoid of the entire mm. World Cup, has scored more goals than Messi and Ronaldo combined in the knockout phase of the World Cup? Mm. Which is very interesting, but yeah. why do they keep using Emil? Exactly, like, as you say, I do, you know, the fact that Messi and Ronaldo have never scored a knockout World Cup yeah. goal is interesting yeah. in and of itself. Leave Emil out. Why of you got to be a dick about exactly. it? There exactly, exactly. Been loads of rubbish footballers yeah. who scored one knockout goal, yeah. but they pick yeah. on him, which of course reminds you of the cruelest chant ever: "If Emil Hes- Heskey can play oh, for yeah. England, so can I." <laughs> which I always thought was just mean beyond anything. Well, and there was, but there was another one when they beat uh, Germany in Munich that time when they won five five, five one. one uh, the chant was five one, even Heskey scored. <laughs> 5-1, even Heskey scored. 5-1, oh, <laughs> even so, Heskey So scored. mean. But anyway, England Confidence Watch, uh, they're kind of... Pretty good. Yeah, it pretty, is. Pretty, yeah. pretty good they're feeling about Robbie life. Savage, who of course isn't English, but even he uh, noted when Yanazai got the winner for Belgium, he said the funny thing is Yanazai's winner could be the goal that wins England the World Cup. <laughs> So he'll probably get an OBE or something. Yanisai, will he? And then, <laughs> Maybe Robbie Savage will get one too. <laughs> Maybe. And Paul Merson, our favourite, um, he said, I watched Colombia the other day. I think that's quite unusual for Merson to have actually watched a team before he talks about them. I watched Colombia the other day and there's nothing to worry about. Um, as for Sweden or Switzerland, no disrespect, but, you know, dot, 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 <laughs> dot. So, yeah, I think um, the, the feeling is very much football's coming home. And with that, Mary, we will cross to Emmett Malone, who is in St. Petersburg. How are you doing, Emmett? Hi, Mal. How are you keeping? We're doing good. We're doing good. How are you doing? Is the, how has the travel uh, uh, been to you at this stage? Uh, well, I had my first uh, plane cock up of the trip, and uh, no, no World Cup would be complete without a plane cock up for me. And uh, I, I landed my first one in France in '98 in the middle of a, a gigantic Air France strike, and it was complete chaos. And I had to 
transfer through Paris and get on down to the south, which took some doing. And um, a couple of years or four years ago in Brazil, some airline cancelled all my flights that I booked months in advance. Um, and uh, and here, more mundanely, I, I just missed a flight yesterday. So, uh, so, so rather than... Uh, Rather than spending um, the evening in St. Petersburg watching the two games, I spent uh, most of the day um, negotiating, shall we say, with airline executives and uh, or officials, and uh, and uh, then travelling very late last night. So uh, yeah, got got to St. Petersburg. Uh, I don't know, four o'clock this morning, something like that. So That's quite good still for you, recovering though, slightly from that, but 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 good. Yeah, it's good to be here. But it's good for you that your first calamity has only come like about two weeks in. Usually they start very early for you, don't <laughs> they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose that's 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 certainly the glass half full way. Of it, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did prefer when um, I did prefer when uh, you know, like payment policies for airlines or um, or mass industrial action were, were responsible for the calamities. Uh, this was uh, simply I'm, I'm I'm doing the same route the uh, with the same airline um, a, a week apart and uh, uh, basically got the. Um, Got the the flight times the wrong way around, and when I went to check in, realised I had um, well, I don't know about an hour to make it to the airport, and uh, then from there on, um, I've, I've done like taxis have been pretty good to me over here. It, uh, you know, it's, it's gone gone pretty well, but uh, in my panic, I asked a hotel to book one, and um, and was told <laughs> I was told that it would be here in three minutes on about eight separate occasions, twenty five minutes apart. So. Um, and then the guy stopped for petrol, which was uh, which was first for me over here. Um, uh, I was I, I, I was I've been in fear of my life most of my taxi rides, uh, certainly in Sochi and and um, and Yekaterinburg, and uh, a bit calmer in Kazan. Um, they seem to obey the, the rules of the road a bit more, but um, but I was sort of urging him on a bit, and he wasn't really taking the base, and I was getting a bit frustrated. And uh, next thing he announced, he was stopping for petrol. <laughs> I was no, no, you can't stop for petrol. And uh, there was very little understanding going on, but he was telling me it was impossible, impossible to go to the airport without stopping for petrol, you know, three, two, two minutes, two minutes, you know. So anyway, it, um, at some point, at some point, you kind of achieve a zen that comes with knowing it's over, you know. <laughs> well, so on, the, on the upside, you were at possibly the game of the tournament on the weekend. Oh yeah, I thought you were about to say Switzerland, Sweden, <laughs> the game of the tournament. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was terrific. Yeah, it was terrific. Um, I guess there's, there's a lot of luck in these things uh, to a large extent with the way this has been mapped out. You know, you're kind of looking at venues uh, and booking hotels and everything like that so far in advance. You don't know how it's going to be. Uh, the game Switzerland, Sweden could well have involved Brazil and. Somebody else, I can't remember who. It looked, it looked like it might be a very tasty game, and, and no harm to them, I'm sure. It might still be a very tasty game, uh, but um, but but uh, yeah, the France game against Argentina on Saturday was terrific. Uh, just um, a really thrilling kind of roller coaster, and um, uh, swung one way than the other. Contrast to two different styles, Messi. Um, you know, huge expectations, the hope that he could kind of carry the team again after after showing some improvement against Nigeria. And Mbappe, who I, you know, hadn't really shone like that at this tournament. I think people who watched the Ireland friendly in Paris um, 
would have been aware of just you know I mean obviously he's a you know he's a, a big star and everything like that but you know you see him at close quarters like that and uh, and you're aware of what he can do but then you're thinking that's Ireland in a friendly and um, and this was uh, this was Argentina in a World Cup knockout game and he and he and he just had had moments of absolute and utter brilliance his pace is incredible um, in the first few minutes uh, it was really apparent that the Argentinians were going to have struggle struggle really badly with him uh, he drifted out of the game for a little bit um, during Argentina's best spell but uh, then then just kind of stole the show late on it was it was fantastic stuff and. Um, just a really kind of interesting um, to see fans uh, win a game like that. I mean, they had said all along that they um, that they would thrive. They felt against a, a team that came out and played against them. Argentina tr- did that for sure. They uh, <clears throat> they tr- tried to keep the ball, tried to knock it around, tried to get Messi involved. Um, but just simply weren't good enough. Um, I met and the France kept Messi quiet, and there's just not very much else to that team. Um, you look at them and you think they did incredibly well to reach a World Cup final four years ago, two Copa America finals since. But um, but I suspect the game is up at this stage. The loss of Messi from the tournament obviously is a, a cause for a celebration with with nobody in the world. Um, but it's like you say, you know, there there is only so much he could do with with the rest of that team. Yeah, I think I think that's the case. And uh, you know, we've we've seen we've seen a couple of those, haven't we? I mean, we've seen Ronaldo as well, who kind of you know played such a huge part in um, in, in 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 making Europe, Portugal European Championships a couple of years ago. Okay, just the drama and the story of of the final and the remarkable story of him, you know, being being out for for most of it and and, and the team going on and winning it. You know, without him, for him, whatever way you want to look at it. Uh, but he goes out the other day as well, and again, like he had, he had he had been so. You know, it was one of one of a handful of really truly great perform individual performances that I've seen in, in my career. Um, his his performance against Spain and the, the in the their opening group game. Uh, but he goes because really there isn't enough quality in the side generally, and uh, some of the young young players who they're looking to to really kind of come here and make a bit of an impact don't do it. Um, I mean, Modric could have gone, and he's, he's, he was yeah. having a great World Cup up until then, and looked like he was um, a really class player. Iniesta is gone, and Iniesta, the difference, I guess, is that you're thinking there's loads of quality around them. You know that Spain group; I, they were kind of my tips for the World Cup. Um, I thought, you know, barring the, the quality of Ronaldo, uh, they win that opening game. Thought they would kind of cruise through the rest of the group handily enough, and. Um, and I thought Diego Costa would finally really kind of make a big impact. Uh, he he looked uh, he looked to be hungry and up for it, and that's generally ninety um, percent of the, the the requirement with with Costa uh, in that opening game. And, and then he drifted out of the tournament completely, really, and did very little else. Um, so um, they're they're the big shock, I guess. I feel sorry for him yesterday because uh, you know when I saw him, he, he looked terrific. I'm surprised he didn't start last night. Um, but uh, but but they're gone. Um, the team that hockey us um, in the in the the, the playoff are gone. Uh, sorry to see Christian Eriksen gone, but again he seemed to have a quite quiet night when it mattered. And uh, uh, Eriksen really firing in all cylinders last night might have been might have been the difference to got uh, Denmark through. But that all said, it's 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 a good laugh to see the Russians um, 
in a quarterfinal. It's the first time in 48 years. I grew up always thinking of the Soviet Union as a kind of major power in world football, but I, it's, only, it's only last night that I kind of really realized that it comes home to you that uh, it was Mexico in 1970. I was two years old the last time they made a quarterfinal of a World Cup, which just seems incredible. But it was, uh, it was great. I got caught catching snatches of it last night between, you know, kind of trying to eat in the, in the airport and then trying to argue with, with uh, airline, uh, airline staff. Um, and then the penalty shootout late on, just as we were getting on the plane, it was uh, it was fantastic stuff and uh, a lot of a really huge amount of excitement here, which is which is terrific, you know. It isn't must be interesting to be there, Emmett, because uh, on one hand the tournament is losing big teams, you know, as, as yeah. you say there, you know, Spain are gone, Argentina are gone, Portugal gone, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, the hosts are still in it, so so I guess you know there's a, a kind of a yin and a yang there on the on the ground. Yeah, there there is that. I mean, it it is great when 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 hosts win um, and and say in the tournament. I remember being in um, in Portugal in two thousand and eight uh, and and seeing quite a lot of them playing. And and you know, uh, the, a lot of people thought they were going to win the tournament. I thought they were going to win it, and they would have won it. I'm sure if they'd had a decent striker. Uh, but uh, God, it was it was just wonderful to be around the the, the the place around Lisbon late at night after they'd won a game. Every every time was a party. Um, more spread out here. It's not as easy to kind of you know to uh, to be in a city and and, and find a, a focal point like that. But uh, but I've been been out and about a couple of times, particularly in Yekaterinburg. I arrived there a couple of hours after um, after they had they had one of one of their games, and um, and there was certainly a, a, you know just a wonderful kind of very joyous atmosphere around the place. Uh, so there is that for sure, and it's and it's nice. The stories of of smaller teams getting through are you know are, are great. And I saw Germany go out. Uh, I was there for that and. And you really kind of you you know obviously you know yourself now you know you're at a sporting occasion that you know people will talk about for years mm. to come and um, and it's and it's you know you you feel the kind of importance of it uh, as, as you're watching it you're watching something really significant there. I mean the downside of that is though that uh, that the, the quality is beginning to look a, a little thin on the ground yeah. in, in the latter stages. I I've been skeptical about Brazil winning this World Cup from the outset. I didn't think they had the players to do it, but then I thought some of the European teams would um, would have more quality. Um, their, you know, uh, their game against uh, Belgium, I think it would be if uh, things progress the way they should, um, would be uh, would be quite a test for them. But um, but certainly, I mean, with Germany gone, with Spain gone, um, they're looking better bets by the day. Yeah, and it's funny. I I watched a lot of uh, Croatia Denmark last night, and Croatia for a team that that. <laughs> We were bigged up uh, fairly yeah. widely um, early on in the tournament. Looked ordinary enough at times last night. I thought, um, especially. I yeah, mean, for long maybe stretches. It was yeah, maybe maybe it's poor game. Yeah, maybe it's just because because we know Denmark and and can kind of gauge gauge uh, the the level of other teams off them. Um, but yeah, t- and you see the contrast in styles between Denmark when they come to Dublin and you know mm. play against us and, and really dominate the game and, and create a lot of scoring chances and, and score quite a few goals. And, and last night where they're where they're happy to um, to play off scraps while while defending very hard. Okay. Uh, Ericsson, as I say, wasn't really uh, you know in anything like his best form last night and. And that obviously matters hugely for for them. And I think he took the first penalty, didn't he? And and, yeah. uh, and hit the post. And uh, and it's uh, you know it's 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 great to have a kind of leader. And you know your best player. There's a logic to having them take the first penalty, but um, but it blows up in your face pretty quickly if they don't actually score it. And so they they're, they're kind of probably in, in in trouble from that point. Uh, the Russians, I mean, meanwhile, I, I mean it's a great story, but there's there's really it's it's abundantly clear that there's not a lot of 
quality there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Spain, uh, you know, I don't think there's any doubt, but that Spain have nobody, nobody to blame but themselves there. They, I mean, they completely dominated the game. You know, eighty percent of possession, over a thousand passes. They made more, pa- or almost as many passes in that game last night as, as Russia have made in all four. But the Russians outran them. They're very fit. They work very hard. There seems to be a great team spirit there. The crowd behind them is obviously having a really great effect on them. And, and, and it is a wonderful story. And World Cups are a mix of, you know, stories and quality football, epic battles and all of that. And the problem is, I think, with Russia is they're more of a story than anything else. Um, I, I think uh, I think we are getting to the stage where the quarterfinals could be a mix of games and, 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 and maybe not producing the sort of uh, clashes of the titans that we'd hoped for. Um, it's... <laughs> Much as we uh, we kind of laugh uh, at at uh, all the stuff that sort of emanates from across the water here, um, there, yeah. it, it, it is it is objectively opening up for England. You know, we could, it it is there for them if they can get past yeah, Colombia. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, there's kind of um, it's kind of unofficial national sport back home. Yeah. Uh, to, to scoff at them, um, yeah, I could. Uh, if it was a if it was an international representative sport, I could probably play for Ireland. But um, <laughs> but there is a, there there is a, a, you know that slight sense that certainly it's it's not as far fetched as as it would have seemed as, as it seemed after their big win against was was uh, Panama. Um, so like I'd seen Panama in the previous game, and they'd given Belgium uh, you know frustrated them enough for forty five minutes. And, and Panama, like you look at their record, how they got here, how much of it was to do with the USA simply imploding. Mm. Um, the USA who beat them home and away, um, but had so many other just inexplicably bad results that they, that they weren't here. Um, so, uh, so, so Panama were a very poor side. England beat them well, and suddenly, you know, I, I have to say, I, I kind of admired the way the English had had, had kind of managed expectations. It's been this kind of shift in policy over the last few years, talking about the long term. I think they've talked about 2022 being a sort of more of a, a target, and uh, and they were talking about the quarterfinals here being a decent outcome for a youngish team with a young manager, and that they would, you know, if they managed that, they would all be kind of going places. And I was like, and then they beat Panama. You know, they score six goals against Panama. <laughs> And everybody's talking about you know football's coming home, and um, and you find yourself having to laugh. Um, so so then then there's the game against Belgium, and now they're playing uh, Colombia. And I've seen this Colombian team, and they have um, they have a great attacking unit, a really really great attacking unit. Stockhouse back in form after a couple of really you know poor seasons. Uh, he's had now a couple um, of good ones again at, at Monaco after a period where you know a couple of the biggest clubs in England take a big look at him and, and decide that that, that that they want him um, because. He's not the same after a big injury. Um, he's firing on all cylinders again. Quintero looks great, uh, really, really great. Um, uh, James Rodriguez and, and Cuadrado. Quadrado, you know, this, yeah. this four is going to cause England, I think, if they play anything like they did against Poland. Poland, to be fair, sat back, showed terribly little ambition and invited them on a bit. But um, but even allowing for that, I think those four have the potential to cause that England defence a lot of problems. Um, I would have thought in, even in the Panama game, and you know, I, I don't want to say like disregard the Panama game, it's not an indication of anything, and then look at the Panama game as an indication <laughs> of something. But, you know, if you look at that second half, you're thinking Gareth Southgate tells them to go out and 
all you got to do, lads, is, you know, just see the game through, maybe get another goal or two, and keep a clean sheet. That's probably what they what he what he says. Like, keep a clean sheet, don't concede it. And they do they do concede a goal. Um, Panama create a few chances, and I'm just not sure about this defence at all against them. Uh, creative, good attacking players with a with a, you know who, who can pick a pass, and uh, and uh, and the Colombians can certainly do that. I'm not really sure what they're like defensively because Poland. I mean, never remotely tested them on that front. So we'll we'll see. But um, clearly, Harry Kane's in 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 really uh, fine form. England have some good creative players. They look like a team that could score goals against a, you know a better sides as well. But we'll see. It's going to be interesting. But I certainly don't think. I, I mean, I was wary of this kind of equation that they were better off losing and playing mm. uh, Colombia because of the rounds after that. But you know, it 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 is kind of stacking up to be that way to some extent but they do have to overcome Colombia and I'm, I'm, I don't think that's a, a you know a guinea by any stretch of the imagination What are you talking about we'll be sitting here next Monday Emmett uh, getting ready for the <laughs> World Cup uh, semi-final uh, on Wednesday night yeah. before England's glory With glorious. an increasingly desperate tone to it all, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly uh, Listen Emmett thanks a million and uh, take care of yourself the rest of the way uh, it's been a pleasure and, and, and hi to Mary again it's, it's, it's been great yeah just keep catching those flights alright <laughs> don't be missing them don't be don't be reporting in the World Cup final from you know a McDonald's in the wrong city or something yeah yeah well yeah, yeah well we'll, 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 we'll see yeah, yeah. It, it, won't it, it tempt fate <laughs> thanks a million Emmett see uh, Emmett thanks Very Mary uh, for helping us out uh, thanks to Sean and Ian who were in earlier uh, thanks to Pat and to Declan who is back after paternity leave uh, and everything has run so much more smoothly because of it uh, and uh, we'll see you all next week folks thanks a million